You're listening to the DC Comics Chronicles, where we cover every adventure from the streets of Gotham to the skies of Metropolis and into the depths of Atlantis. With your hosts, Adam and the Emerald Enthusiast. Welcome to another episode of the DC Comics Chronicles. As always, I'm your host, Adam, a.k.a. the Bruce Wayne of the network, without the money. <laughs> and with me is my co-host, the Emerald Enthusiast himself, Donnie. Donnie, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Batman fans? It's the man whose ring runs on fanboy energy, the podcasting machine, the big nerd in green. It's the Emerald Enthusiast, and it's the podcast with vengeance and darkness, but also with a cute little kitty. It's the DC Comics Chronicles doing Batman. Right. And 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 there's also a bit of hope, but that's at the end. Uh, anyway. Right. Um, but Saint Walker well, would be proud. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I was actually, I'll confess, I wasn't thinking of Saint Walker in that moment, but now. Right. You know, after the fact, it makes sense. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we're we're going to review uh, the Batman, uh, which is just coming out as of this recording this weekend. It's the opening weekend. Uh, I'll be brutally honest. Uh, I wasn't expecting to sit down and do this review uh, for approximately another 45 days or so. Uh, because up until very recently, I wasn't certain that we were going, to, I, I was going to see it in theaters. Um, just because uh, as much as things are getting uh, slightly better in the real world, we are still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, so that was cause for my trepidation. Uh, and Donnie, I know that you weren't planning to see it until I hit HBO Max. Right. But both of us had had sort of situations uh, happened that allowed for for it to to for for us to be sitting here doing this review so why how come you decided to venture out into the crazy world that we live in and see this movie well things kind of turned my way fortune smiled on me and there's a drive-in theater about an hour from me and i found out that it was opening early to show the batman mm -hmm. and when i heard that i asked my youngest kiddo i said hey you want to go see the Batman? They were all for it. So I said, hey, let's go do it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, uh, for me, I, I think I've, I've said this story before on several podcasts, but <clears throat> my uh, my first movie experience uh, that I can vividly remember going to a theater was Batman 89. Uh, and obviously, because I was only six at the time, my mother took me to see the movie. Um, and since then, uh, you know, uh, we've seen every superhero movie together. Uh, obviously, from six to a certain age, it was because she was the one taking me and paying for these things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, out of out of uh, necessity is not the right word, but out of out of uh, you know, it just had to be because I was six. Um, right. And and up, up through ten and twelve, and basically. Until I got a license and stuff like did stuff like that, but um, but you know once I was old enough to, to to choose which movies I want to see on my own, we kind of sort of continued the tradition that every superhero movie we'd watch together is kind of like in honor of that that first one all those years ago. I like so it. I like that's it. That's kind of been our tradition, and um, so. 
you know, but the, the um, let me make sure this door is closed. Wait one second, because there's a little bit of light coming in and it's bugging me. Okay. Um, While you're waiting, you can catch the Emerald Echo podcast as well as other episodes of the DC Comics Chronicles right here on YouTube. We put things up just about every weekend. So like, subscribe, and also tell a friend. Yeah, we got lots of content, but back to my story. Um, Go ahead. It's story time. (laughs) I was just covering for you. Yeah. Story time with not Adam Cole, baby. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) that's the wrestling podcast. But anyway, um, uh, I'm going to sue AEW because they have a lot of Adams there. (laughs) But that's I digress. Anyway. Back to the Batman. So, you know, I was planning to wait until streaming because pandemic. But uh, I think it was at some point early last or late last week, uh, late last week, basically the week before the release. Uh, my mom says to me, uh, she saw a, a TV spot for the Batman, and she's like, "Don't you want to go see that? Are we, are we going to go see that?" And I said, well, I, I was thinking we could wait till, you know. And she goes, no, no. She's like, Let, let's just go. She's like, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're triple vaxxed. We'll, we wear the mask. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and we'll go to an early showing if we can get one. So there'll be less people. And so I, I looked around. Uh, you know, fortunately, cases are, are, are down at the moment. So you know, that's... Uh, a positive there. You, the, the cases are are are, are slowing uh, and decreasing, so that was a benefit. But then I was able to find an eleven o'clock showing, um, uh, eleven a.m. And uh, so I said, "All right, uh, let's do it." And uh, so we 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 decided to to do it. So uh, that's why uh, that happened. So. Uh, um, this is why this episode is being recorded today and not uh, 45 days from now uh, or, or thereabouts. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was good to be able to do that. Um, it was kind of nice to be back in the theater. Um, but, I, you know, look, I've made the decision that until things are in a much better spot, you know, which hopefully will be one day. Uh, <laughs> but as of right now, for the foreseeable future, provided cases stay relatively you know, solid as they are now, maybe hopefully, God willing, decrease even more. Um, yes. but, but, you know, provided things stay relatively the same way uh, that they are now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and at least see every DC film live action because I'm not going to the theater for Super League of Super Pets. No, no offense to that movie. It's just not my, my, for me, it's not for me. I hope lots of kids see it and I hope that's their entryway to DC. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, look, I'll watch it when, it's, when it streams, but I'm not going to go to the theater for that. Yeah. But my, my strategy is I'm going to try for the live action DC films to head out to a theater. And then for the Marvel films, because they stick everything on Disney Plus, and we have that over here. <laughs> I'm just gonna wait because you know I, I I like Marvel, but in my in terms of comic book you know franchises, uh, DC is where my heart is. Uh, I've often used the illusion, and this is no disrespect, but the Marvel movies are a nice distraction. They're like a one night stand, you know. Like yeah, ha- I have my fun with them, and then you know, like, like I'm not emotionally invested. Right. <laughs> like if, if like if they're good, great. If okay. They suck, 
I just move on. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so if the experience isn't good, yeah, I watched you once, I'm out. <laughs> and I'm getting, I'm going to get so much hate mail for this. But no, I've used that in a of years. Don't start hating me now. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well. Hate me for other reasons. Anyway, um, but no, so, but, but Marvel gives me the luxury of putting it on Disney Plus. And Disney Plus is available in Canada. So, um, that was my, that's my sort of thought process on that. Uh, and so, and look, the Sony ones, I'll wait till they hit, they hit streaming. Like if I was able to wait for, um, Venom and Ghostbusters, I can wait for Morbius. You know what I mean? So. I'm really uh, excited about Morbius, but we'll I have to see. I am, yeah. I am too, but you know what I mean? It's like, well, well, again, if the cases are still good and low in a, in a month's time, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll amend my, my, uh, my rule. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, 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 the way I can sort of excuse that if that's the case is, well, Michael Keaton's in it and he's Batman. Uh, so... You know, uh, there's that. But but as of right now, my stance is DC live action. I'll try and trick out to the theater, provided cases are manageable. Uh, and Marvel, Disney Plus. I, I'll see you soon. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my 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 theater uh, planning as of right now. Um, so we'll see. Because you at least you have a drive-in, you know, uh, within relative. Uh, range of mm-hmm. yeah I, the windows are small for how long they keep movies but it's been a lifesaver i haven't been to a theater in two years but yeah. having that there this is now like the third movie that i've gone to see there so do you, do you think they'll stay open for morbius they at uh, morbius was advertised last night so okay All right. yeah so if if circumstances come together i may be able to go see that as well oh cool yeah cool 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 yeah. they really got to install more drive-ins around here in my opinion yeah. Like, the, the fun, well, the funny thing is, I remember when I was a kid. Obviously, that, that was a while ago. Drive-ins were everywhere; they were all the rage. Yeah, and now they are few and far between. So yeah, so I say bring them back. Uh, yes, whoever I have to appeal to, hashtag uh, bring back the drive-in, uh, restore the drive-in, restore <laughs> the drive-in verse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh we're never going to be able to get away from that hashtag. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's never going to go away. It's like wow. Oh. Oh, okay. Anyway. I was going to make an analogy, but I better stop. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I can get myself in more trouble. Anyway. <laughs> we got to try to keep it PG-13 now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah. All right. So, that's the story that led us to uh, seeing the Batman. So, now let's talk about the Batman. Uh, Donnie, uh, where, where were your expectations for this film going in expectations were i just wanted something that unto itself was entertaining i just didn't want it to be awful i you know i this is i'm just happy to to be back and be able to see movies in some kind of capacity Uh and obviously the bar is high there have been a lot of people to to play great batmen and to play great Batman villains. So I just wanted this to be able to sit beside the rest of the legacy and not be a glaring misstep, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was, I think, 
one of the better Batman movies. I wouldn't say it's the best, but we'll get to our ratings on that later. Uh, yeah, for me, it was, you know, um, I had, I had st- actually streamed with uh, the guys over at the Vigilante 1939 last weekend. And I had said on there that, you know, all this film had to do to satisfy me was be a really good Batman movie. That that was my my thing going in. My my you know pie in the sky is that I wanted it to to recreate the experience, make me feel like a six year old again mm-hmm. when I walked into uh, nineteen eighty nine. Right. You know because you know that's that's the kind of connection I have with this character. Uh, so you know, if all things are firing on all cylinders and the movie is as good as I, I want it to be, that's the effect that it has on me. But that's not a requirement for me to enjoy it. Yeah. To enjoy it, I just want a good Batman movie. You know, so there are well, two... Well, stay tuned of- for the end of the episode. I'm going to tell you what I think is the one way that this movie succeeded in a way that no other previous Batman movie yeah. had succeeded. I like those stay tuned to the end because you force people to stay... That's right. Because they probably tuned out already. But anyway, uh, <laughs> for the ones that are still here, uh, you know, they stay uh, and wait for the end. Um, maybe uh, Nick Fury will show up. No, different universe. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... Um, hey, you don't know that he's not going to step through that portal someday. We yeah, don't listen, know. You, got, you probably have Samuel Jackson somewhere in your house that uh, comes over for a coffee or a stronger beverage because who knows what he likes. Right, well, uh, well, he's not going to find any of that here, but I'll <laughs> give him <some> coffee. Um... <laughs> uh, but um, but no, so uh, you know, my requirement was just be a good Batman movie. It's like if I, I my requirement is I never want to see the franchise go from uh, from strong solid entries to a Batman and Robin equivalent. That, yeah, that's exactly where my mind so, was. Yes. So, so, so and and it delivered on being a good Batman movie. Did it deliver on giving me that feeling like I had when I was six? Well, you have to wait till my rating to find out in the course of this review, so stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, let's get, let's get right into it, Donnie. Give us set set the scene. What are some of the things you want to talk about? Let's let, let's dig deep. Okay, well, let's call out just a few creatives here. Director Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, Peter Sarsgaard, Andy Serkis, and Colin Farrell. And we also have the cinematography by Greg Frazier. So mm-hmm. music by Michael G and I don't know how to say that name. Can you, you're the Italian expert here. Can you tell me? Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. There we go. See, that's, that's why, that's why you're part of a team on a podcast. You that's need why I'm one here, another. To pronounce right. Italian, uh, name, Italian related names. That's, you, that's... you pronounce those and I'll give you all the alien names from Green Lantern. So. Ah, sounds like a plan. So how far were we into the podcast before I mentioned Green Lantern? What are we at? 14 minutes and 59 seconds. That's a record. <laughs> it is, because it's the only time we actually tracked it. But from now on, we're going to do it. Although I didn't mention St. Walker right off the bat. So yeah, anyway. so I'll have to go back and look again. But I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll mark a note. I'll, I'll put a note in the description. <laughs> so actually, the, the movie opens up with the murder of Mayor Don Mitchell by the Riddler. And I've got to say that they set the tone right away. Brutal opening scene, horror movie visuals, love the atmosphere. And 
I, you know, I didn't exactly know what was going on at first, but it became clear. And it's like, wow, this is definitely going to be a Batman movie that stands on its own. It's going to go in its own direction. And I liked the way that they opened up. Yeah, yeah for me, it was like at first, because, you know, you, you see somebody watching from a rooftop across another rooftop, mm-hmm. from one rooftop to another, and he's in the rooftop. And you see, like, I guess the, the, the visuals of a... Of a, of a, of a binoculars or a microscope mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. the hell he was using uh, and you hear heavy breathing so you're like wait a minute is that batman or is that mm-hmm. the riddler like you don't know at first right yeah and then when you're watching what's happening in the window across you see somebody in a ninja outfit coming supposedly stab another person but it's actually just a kid play play fighting on halloween with his presumed father right Right, right. But so right there and then you're confused. Right off the bat, you're like, okay, it's Batman. And then you're like, oh, damn it, he's hugging him. No, it's not Batman. It's probably the Riddler. Or it still could be Batman, but it's not Batman in, that, in this. It's not identifiable as Batman. And then, you know, the, the, the funny part is the guy's on the phone and mm-hmm. you know, the TV's on, he's walking back and forth. And then there's just one moment where the, where the light hits in a certain way and you see like the Riddler stalking him. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. freaking. Yeah. Yeah, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. And the way they did it is like, you're right. It's horror movie vibes without being excessively gory because there's no need to. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the point gets across without going in excess. So yes. that's why when people say, "Oh, why not do a Raider or Batman? Why do you have to?" When mm-hmm. you can film it like this, and the, mm-hmm. the same desired effect occurs. I will say this, though. I think for a five- or six-year-old kid, uh, this is not an appropriate movie. I know oh, people, yeah, I w- yeah. people like to think that all comic book characters are appropriate for, you know, family fair. Yeah. Yes, Batman has been that in the past, but this was a different direction. It wasn't gratuitous, like Adam's saying. It wasn't, yeah. you know, like blood and guts, but it was made to be scary. And I, I don't think, number one, I think a kid might be scared. I also think a kid may be bored with a lot of the like investigative angles that we see with this movie. There's a long time between action scenes. Not that they're boring to yeah. most people, but for a five or six year old, they may be yeah. like, hey, when are we getting to the action? You know, I would recommend, I would say, look, depending on your kid, 10 or up is what I would say. Yeah. Now my, you know, my youngest kid, 13 years old, a fan of The Walking Dead, so I didn't have to worry about... Oh, yeah. Any- <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, PG-13 suggests that, you know, 13 and upwards, you know, you're good. But but I'm just saying, for, for, for me, like, if I was a parent, which you know, I'm not, a, at least on this universe, right. uh, on this earth, I'm not. Uh, and if someone comes to the door claiming to be mine, uh, we're going to have an interesting conversation. But uh, <laughs> as, of, as of right now, I'm not. Um, so, um, you know, just depend again, if you're a parent, depending on your kid, but I'd say, you know, 10 and up, depending on how your kid reacts to certain things, go for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my, that's my recommendation. But carry on. Carry on. So, and we talked about the atmosphere being different for this movie, you know, in the past, and again, I'm a huge fan of the Batman Begins movie as well as Absolutely, Batman 89. Yeah. Yes, I love, love them both. But we saw, you know, Batman's kind of modus operandi in those was to, you know, basically come in with stealth and 
take people down as quickly as possible, very uh, fluent in the way that he, or, excuse me, not fluent, fluid in the way that he would do it. Yeah. With this one, one of the first things we saw was, you know, Batman kind of announcing himself to, you know, the 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 thugs on the street with this kind of thudding gait. And you would hear the footsteps, like him him coming down a set of a set of steps, announcing, "Here I come," and using that fear that he had obviously already established. Now, now you talk about uh, you talk about the fear mm -hmm. uh, that he uses, and I love the fact that you know they show the bat signal and it's lit, and they basically they show a bunch of criminals' reaction to the bat signal. Mm -hmm. And like, they're scared, you know. You know, they're crapping their pants, right? <laughs> yeah. And running just at the sight of the bat signal. Mm -hmm. So right that right there, that's showing you, this is the the fear that he uses and inspires in the in the criminal yes. element. And I think this is the best they've showed. I mean, they showed it a little bit in the Dark Knight with that one, you know, the signal and the guy in the car saying, "Oh, I'm getting out of here." But other than that, right, th this to me is the best usage of, without showing Batman right away, look how afraid these people are of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the aura that, that he has established. Yeah. And it says two years in the movie that that's how long this version of Batman has been active. Yeah. This is year two, folks. Yes, and, yes. And you know what else I liked in addition to that? What's was that? Bruce's narration. Likewise. And at some point, scroll. Because you know what it reminded me of, Donnie? It reminded me of, you know those thought bubbles where you get, you're getting the character's perspective in the comics? Mm -hmm. That's what the voiceover reminded me of. That's, yeah, that's, that's a valid point, yeah. Um, I will say that there, there was one thing that my youngest kiddo did not like about this, and that's something that I liked, I will say, to start this, is that they didn't go back and rehash the death of Batman's parents again. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. And I'm fine, because again, we've seen that three times on film and live action. Yeah. But yeah. of course they, you know, you see Bruce, you know, watching a, uh, a newscast and it mentions 20 years ago, you know, the Waynes were murdered. And of course they called out, you know, Thomas and Martha. And as soon as, you know, they said Martha, I was like, why don't you do that name? <laughs> and my youngest kid, my kid, I was like, oh. <laughs> she thought she was going to get, wait a minute. So she, she rolls her eyes when you do that. But yes, she wanted to see the death of the Waynes again. <laughs> Did she realize she's setting herself up for more of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but is uh, it, what's fact, hilarious? I, yeah. When they uh, mentioned her on the TV, <laughs> the first I, thing I thought of was, oh, when Donnie sees this, he's going to say. So, yeah. So, and I said it loud too. I was like, why did you say that name? The funny thing is, is I wish, you know, with this whole you know, uh, drive-in, you know, theater of people. I wish that, like, I'd have had it right at that second, a megaphone. But, like, nobody would have been able to, like, know who it was. Why did you say that name? People would have scared half the people there. Um, no, but, um, but no, I, I was fine with the lack of origin. And here, or the last, not the lack of origin, the lack of death scene. Right. Because, and here's why. Because the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne was ever, was ever present without seeing it. Yes. Right, like it was a motivator. It was a consequence, we, and we didn't have to see it, and and that's fine by me because again, everybody and their grandmother, at some point in their lives, has seen those two people gunned down in an alley. 
uh, for me, we didn't need to see the game. But just good to go back to your point of, you know, how Batman intimidates, like, as he's walking into a scenario. Yeah. And I don't know how many how many thugs there that were going to mug that guy. There was about, what, six, seven? I think it was maybe more than that. There was more a than large that. group, yes. And, and, like, the way he just takes them on, the fight scenes in this, in this whole movie, I thought were expertly done because here's why. Again, I'm not going to suddenly start hating the Dark Knight trilogy because I love it just because there's a new shiny toy that, that I can enjoy. But what I, and I've always said this, you can track back. One thing I couldn't stand about the Dark Knight trilogy, being a martial artist, was the fight scenes and the fact that they were choreographed mostly terribly and you couldn't see anything. Yeah. Here you get to see all the fight, all the right. movements, all the, all the punches, all the kicks. Now, I did like the the fighting in the Dark Knight because I like the Casey style that they used. But the fighting here is very realistic and very yeah. brutal. Yeah. It's not a lot of like, you know, flowery type of, you know, a, a martial art where, yeah. you know, he's using finesse. Yeah. He oh, is yeah. showing that he's stronger and faster and just better educated in physicality than all the criminals. He certainly does have a brutality to him that's sort of. In step with the Ben Affleck version. Yeah, you could see this version, this version eventually growing into the Ben Affleck version 20 years down the line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and and yes, that scene where he pummels a guy to a pulp, announces himself as on vengeance, and then continues punching him, was even better in the film than it was the trailer. And it was that yeah. awesome in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was great. But what I loved about that scene, Donnie, is the guy that he's saving says, please don't hurt me. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, oh, thank you very much. And, you know, what can I do to repay you? Like, even the people he's saving are scared of him. And that's right. the point. Right? Exactly. I mean, that he obviously has established himself in this city. And, you know, regular civilians fear him. And yeah. at the same time, another thing that I liked in this is, Outside of Commissioner Gordon, most of the policemen didn't seem to like him very much. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, which is realistic. You, you, you got to think that police would not approve of a, vigil, a vigilante, no matter how good they are at getting results. Right. That would. That's a conflict between you know, kind of lawful good and chaotic good. All right. Since you brought it up, you want to talk about uh, Gordon and and not only uh, you know um, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, but also. The, the relationship and the partnership that we see between Batman mm -hmm. and Gordon in this. So let's talk about that. Um, well, this is another thing that from the get-go here, you see that Gordon and Batman have a very good working relationship with one another. They don't have to, you know, kind of grow to trust one another the way we saw in the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. Uh, or even in the way that we saw with the 89 Batman movie. We see that they've established a partnership much to the chagrin of, of a lot of the other cops. They yeah. don't approve of it. But yeah. Jim Gordon sees the necessity for Batman. And I really love the give and take when the th the scene with the thumb drive. Yeah. Which was yeah. <laughs> which was one of the and again, I'm gonna reiterate, not a kid's movie. See, there is some humor though. Yeah. That's what I like yes. about it. Is yeah. it's a serious, you know, dark tone. But they do imbue it with some humor, which, yes. you know, is, is, and the thumb drive is, yes. I mean, it's dark humor because it's literally, right. 
a severed thumb. It's but, literally a severed thumb that you know works 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 a drive. Access a car, but I that you know, but the, the thumb drive is funny. Right. So um, yeah, but we see that there is a mutual respect, even though Gordon doesn't know that Batman is Bruce Wayne in this. Yeah. Because he says, "I don't. I've known you for two years, but I don't. I don't know who you are under that mask." Yeah, uh, and, and what I like about it is, again, we're in year two. He established in the voiceovers that he's been working with Gordon, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And so we don't have to see that transition from Gordon's trying to apprehend him, and then, and then, and then, now you know, over time they they grow. There's nothing wrong with that. I love the way it was handled in, in Begins and the Dark Knight trilogy, but there's a different way to do it, and this is the different way. And I appreciate that we're we're just jumping into the pre-existing relationship, uh, right? And they it really are. There is a dynamic duel in this movie. It's Batman and Gordon, and not Batman and Robin, but there is a dynamic duel. Right. Um, and what's interesting about that, Donnie, is Matt Reeves has said many times that his Batman fandom started with Batman 66. Mm -hmm. And in Batman 66, Batman is often working with the police, specifically Gordon. Now, right. in that version, because they're so inept, they pick up a phone and say, Come solve this for us, and Batman <laughs> comes. And he, he, but but I think the 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 homage for the the reason to create a, a working relationship with the with Batman and Gordon is to honor you know obviously the comics, mm -hmm. and I think it, it very mirrors his relationship with Gordon and how it plays out in the animated series. This movie, right? It's a lot you know there's a lot in common between the two in the relationship between Batman and Gordon, but specifically. I think that was a clever way for Matt Reeves to give a nod to 66 without saying, yeah, we work together, but you're so inept that you're going to let me do everything. Right. You know what I mean? So it was a nod to 66, but then taking it in a, in a much more mature, better direction than just Batman coming in and doing everything for them. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's a good point that you made that we saw a dynamic duo without having to incorporate Robin because – it would be hard to incorporate Robin into the kind of atmosphere that we saw with this movie. Although Reed said in interviews he's open to it, so we'll see if, if he does. I mean, yeah, uh, eventually you could, but a very young Batman. Yeah, and uh, again, yeah. as as the way Robin is. Although, by the way, did you did you pick up the fact that Selena Kyle at the end of the movie oh, uh, mentioned Bloodhaven? Because I know where my multiverse wife is going. She's going to Bloodhaven, and I'm following her there, damn it. Uh, see. Jumping ahead, let me just say that. By the way, for those of you who don't know, that's where Nightwing operates. So. Yeah, yeah, but let me just say, I want to jump to the end of the movie real quick because okay. the, scene, the scene Donnie's talking about is, you know, Bruce or Selina asked Batman to go with her. Now, Batman pauses for a second and then kind of, you know, without saying directly, you know. The look between the two is like, you know I can't go, and she knows he can't go. But I'll just tell you right now that if I was Batman, Gotham would be screwed because I would have I hightailed it out of there so fast, Gotham wouldn't know I hit it. I would have left them off to their own devices. <laughs> you people, you're on your own. And, but, and, but that's just me. 
That's why I wouldn't be a good Batman. That's why I wouldn't be a good Green Lantern because I got no willpower. Because if she <laughs> says, let's go, I'm going. And you know why? Because Zoe Kravitz is on the list. <laughs> now, back to where we were in the movie. So I just, yeah. That was a segue. I, I thought about you a lot because there was a lot of, you know, um, very longing glances exchanged between, you know, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz. And I was yeah. just like, oh, okay, yeah. And if so, and point of view driven, yes, my reads, you know I wanted to be Batman in those situations. Yeah. Well done, you, you got into my mindscape. Shame on you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, back to where we were. Um, this the 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 scene where um, what really kind of sets up the relationship between Batman and Gordon is when Batman just walks in behind him to the crime scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. he's he's on the scene. Mm-hmm. It's not after the fact, like he's there. And Gordon is like, and the cops trying to stop him. And Gordon's like, no, no, let him through. And there's one one scene where uh, he, Gordon hands him a letter that's addressed to him, uh, to to the Batman. And uh, one of the cops complains. He's, you know, that's tampering with evidence. You know, he's he's. And Gordon's like, he's got gloves on. He's got gloves on. <laughs> like, to make the, the allowance for him. He's like, well, he's got gloves on. You know, let him through. Um, but when, just to the point of Batman, we talked about this is very much a detective story. Mm-hmm. And there's always been a promise of Batman. You know, they always tell you, Batman's the world's greatest detective, right? That's, that's the tagline. Right. And, you know, in Batman 89, we got a scene where he's on the computer and the computer spitting up, you know, on the screen, it has what's in the toxin, right? So mm-hmm. that's the detective work in that movie. In the Dark Knight, he's got the thing where he's he's re- re-engineering the bullet. That's the one scene. Right. But it's always been a little scene here or there. It's never been a full movie directed to Batman the detective as it is in this movie. Like, this is literally yes. the world's greatest detective on display. And seeing him on the scene, seeing him piece together the 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 details of the, each riddle and and where that's going to lead him and who the next murder victim is, like that, this is stuff that as a, a Batman fan uh, of various degrees, we've always dreamed of seeing. And, and mm-hmm. you know, this, so that's what really makes this movie unique. And again, I like the fact that both Batman and Gordon are useful in solving the riddles, solving the crimes, or, or, you know, catching the riddle. It's not just, all right, Batman's here, I'm going to go have a coffee and a donut. Right. Like, he's in the thick of things. You know what I mean? So, yes. both, both guys get over, to use a wrestling term, in this movie. So, and I... Which like is I why said, they both got a push. So. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. And I didn't think, <laughs> there's the dad jokes, but I didn't think, you know, um, Gary Oldman is a fantastic Jim Gordon. I didn't think, I, I didn't expect anybody, to, to be honest with you, come close or top that, that performance. And dare I say, Jeffrey Wright has done that. He did an outstanding job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, the point that I want to make yeah. about this you brought up, you know, some of the characters here. 
and I don't mean this in a bad way because I'm not. It's not to say that these are in name only characters, but this is such a grounded movie that when you see, you know, the Penguin, Catwoman, the Riddler, these are nothing like the stylized versions that we usually see in animation mm-hmm. and that we've previously seen. This is something that Batman is really kind of the only character that visually you know, stands out as the, the previous uh, sure. versions that sure. we know. Sure. Now, the Riddler does wear a, a very unsettling costume. I like the way the Penguin look. I like the it's, way the Catwoman look. It's green, yeah. They were very different than what we had seen before. Yeah, like, like here's what I'll say. I'll say, like, and it's not just me saying it's Matt Reeves, but what I'm, what, like, when you look at Catwoman, it's clearly her year one era version, uh, right? Um, when you look at Riddler, it, it's a it's a totally different look. Yes, he's wearing green. Yes, he's wearing a, a question mark. Uh, but what Matt Reeves has said is that these are the villains before they become the um, the mythical, larger than life personalities that they are. Like they're on their way there, but they're not yet. The closest to being fully formed and he's not even fully formed yet is batman mm-hmm. so matt reeves says that there will be you know he's hinted that there will be more evolution into the characters that that we know now their costumes may not be as like, like i don't for like if we ever see paul dano again as the riddler i don't think we're going to see him in a green green jumpsuit with question marks all over the place and, and a bowler hat and a bowler <laughs> hat yeah I, I just don't see it but yeah We'll get something closer to a comic book look if we see him again on the line, according to what Matt Reeves has said, like the, the inferences he's made. Yeah. Um, but in saying that the, the different, you know, like the Riddler um, is very much in keeping with what the Riddler would do. Like, like it's not like, you know, he uses riddles. He's a murderer. Like, I mean, the the comics plays them off in some comics, kind of lightly brushed that aside. They don't focus on it because you know you're trying to appeal to a certain age, so you kind of gloss over it. But let's make no bones about it. Riddler in in the books isn't opposed to murdering people either, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not. I'm just gonna torment you, but then I'll let you go home. Like if he had to, the Riddler would kill it and would kill somebody, right? In the comics, so. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about um, before we go on to Catwoman and the Riddler specifically uh, and the larger uh, plot at play let's talk a little bit about we talked about uh, Batman and Gordon Mm -hmm. let's talk about the Bruce, Batman and Alfred relationship Okay, Alfred Alfred of course played by Andy Serkis sure one thing I want to say before we get into that which which will feed into this Uh, so I'm going to call out one of the toxic fandoms here right now, and I'm not talking about the Snyder Cut people. What I'm talking, the people who there will be someone usually who knows nothing about comics who will tweet out, "Well, if Batman or the Waynes just use their fortune to, you know, uh, uh, give money to all the poor people in Gotham, then there would be no need for Batman." Yada yada yada. First of all, that's not original. That's been around forever. And you saw in this movie that with the renewal project that the Wayne family, although flawed, and you know, the, yeah, we we'll see that, that 
that Thomas Wayne in particular made a big mistake that they had been trying to use their fortune to better Gotham with the renewal project. Yeah. So yeah. this wasn't just an issue of Batman, you know, an angry young man wanting to go out and beat people up. He is trying to, from every angle, improve Gotham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that complaint is so ridiculous. And, and I see it all the time. And, and everybody who tweets it out or whatever, they're convinced that they're the first person to think of it. No, yeah. you're not. And also, you, Batman wouldn't last this long as a character if he just paid the problems away. Yes. Like, we, we, we got to tell stories here. That's right. not a compelling story. Hey, right. look, I don't, it, it's a nice heartwarming story. And if the world worked that way, right. wouldn't it be nice if the real world worked that way? You know, like you could, you could solve, you know, technically, you know, if you could solve world hunger with just by throwing money at it, it's not that simple. But, you know, right. if the world was that simple, it'd be nice. But that's mm -hmm. just not the way things work. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a ridiculous. I, everybody thinks they're so smart when they tweet that out, and it's like, really, like mm -hmm. you don't Again, like, look, Yeah, if you don't like Batman stories or Batman comics, here, here don't watch them, don't read them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if Batman <laughs> beating up criminals bothers you so much, don't engage in the story. Yeah, walk away. Read some. Read, you know, read something else. And it's almost always people who aren't fans of comics or yeah. this this type Maybe, of story. Yeah, they never picked yeah. up a book in their life. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. But so usually we see a very warm, close knit, loving relationship between Batman and Alfred, Bruce and Alfred. Right. Uh, this version is is fractured. A good word. That's that's a good way to the good way to put it. There's affection, but it's not. It's somewhat dysfunctional. They don't communicate with one another very well. There's uh, there's obviously this you know kind of barrier between the two of them, where yeah. Alfred has and he even said. I tried to be your dad, but I'm not your dad. Yeah. And that's what you needed. And and, and what, what's interesting is, I think it stems from, at this stage in his life, Bruce is so laser focused on, Batman is the real, per Batman is who I am. Nothing else matters. Like, to get anything done in the city, to, to make things better, I have to be all in on this you know batman 24 7 right mm -hmm. and that's what alfred is like no like you you're losing yourself in this endeavor you need to realize that there's more like you need to start paying attention to bruce wayne mm -hmm. and being bruce wayne and that's where the rift comes from is that alfred would like him to be a fully-fledged, multi-functional uh, human in the sense that there are other things besides this mission that you need to be doing. And Bruce is like, hey, I, if I can't make a difference here, then life as Bruce Wayne doesn't matter. 
And that's so, a very valid take on the character. We saw that a little bit with Michael Caine's version. Yeah. Remember but he also, said, you know, if 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 you pretend to have fun, you may just have a little by accident. Yeah, right. So. But that was played very much, you know, there was still a loving, you know. Yeah. It, not, not that Bruce and, and Alfred and this don't have love and affection for each other, but it's, that was more, that version, it was, yes, he had that that reservation, but at the end of the day, they still, like he was still, there was still an element of Bruce Wayne there. It wasn't a Playboy billionaire until he developed that, but he, he was still Bruce Wayne. In that, right? Like when you see Robert Pattinson's version, again, literally, even when he's not, the, the rare times that he's not in the costume, he's still, for lack of a better word, Batman, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And, and that's because, again, and I've seen some complaints about that, but again, this is year two. They're borrowing from. A, I see a lot of Earth Two in it. Earth Two. Have you read Earth Two by Jeff Johns? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. like, that's what I see here. Like right now, he's so laser focused on Batman. As we see the end of this, he realizes I got to go about this a different way, and I believe in further films you'll see the development of the Bruce Wayne billionaire playboy facade but the fact that it's not here right now does not for people saying well he, he didn't play bruce wayne at all but he's he hasn't developed that persona yet it, like, that that didn't they, need to be here they're trying to really create doesn't. they're trying to create character progression so the fact that you doesn't see it don't see it yet doesn't mean it isn't a good interpretation of of batman bruce wayne it just means he hasn't grown into that yet a lot of things he hasn't grown into. He hasn't even fully finalized what his Batman is. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know until the very end what he needs to be. Right. So, but what I liked about, about despite their fractured relationship, you definitely see that Alfred is the only, so as of right now, the only thing keeping whatever elements of Bruce Wayne are still left in, in there. Mm -hmm. Like whatever humanity Bruce Wayne is clinging on to and not being even more absorbed by this Batman persona is because of Alfred. Um, by the way, the, the bomb scene where we thought Alfred, at least I thought for a little bit that Alfred had died. He just gets badly injured. But I'm like, you better not pull a Tom King and kill Alfred because I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, not Alfred. Uh, no, but I like just like even the fact that. By the way, that, I almost almost tweeted you that that picture when you know we had another podcast planned for this weekend too. It didn't work out for this weekend because of time constraints. I almost tweeted you that uh, not tweet. I messaged you with the the uh, Michael Caine picture. You know, I failed you. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, but even before that, I love that Alfred. Like he wasn't in here a lot, but when he was here. He was helping Bruce solve the riddles. And he's drawing back on his experience, you know, as a member of the of the the, the army in, in you know the British the Secret Service, whatever it is. Like he's drawing back on all his experience and using that to help Bruce. And they even like teased that he you know he taught him how to how to handle himself in a fight. So Yeah, he even <laughs> said that I, I can teach yeah. you how to fight, but so, I can't be your dad. So right. And so this is very much the Earth One Alfred. 
the one that we're seeing. And the scene that you mentioned earlier in the hospital after, like, when, when you see Batman, when he figures out that, that the Riddler is after Bruce Wayne and that Alfred could be in danger, when he calls from the, ba- the, the, the Batmobile, when he calls mm-hmm. Wayne Manor, yeah. and first of all, I love the fact that the voice changed so that in that moment, that, that, again, there are moments when Bruce Wayne, the, right now it's, it's Batman, and, and that resent, like, even though he's an adult, when he's talking with Alfred, you get a sense that he's that hurt 8- to 10-year-old boy in a grown man's body, right? Mm-hmm. Like in his reactions, right? Yeah. Like when he says, there's a moment that he says to Alfred, he goes, stop trying to push me to do this. You're not my father. Right? That's the reaction of an angry, hurt child. That's something that an angry, hurt child, hurt child would say to exactly parental yeah. figure. So, so when I see his, so, but when you see that moment in the Batmobile, and the, and the voice drops, and I'm like, there's what li- what little is is in there of of Bruce Wayne just came out right now, and it was just in in the switch of of the voice and the look in his eyes beneath the cowl was, and I'm like, that that shows you what what a hell of a performance Pattinson's putting on here. Well, and I'd like to say too. There was the part where, you know, where Bruce learns the truth about, you know, yeah, the shortcut that his dad took yeah. because of the campaign. And we learned that it was really just his dad trying to protect, you know, his wife and his son. But, you know, that he was involved with with uh, Falcone. Yeah. And and we, we saw that, that Bruce went as Bruce to try to figure out what happened here because yeah. he was concerned about his family's legacy. He wanted to know the truth. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't and, a Batman thing. Yeah, no, and that all comes after, you know, um, or around the same time as the Alfred scene, but that hospital scene where it's like, where um, Alfred says what you had said, is like, I, you know, you needed a father and I couldn't be there for you. And he reaches out his hand and Bruce grabs it and he says, you know, don't, don't, don't bring yourself. Kind of like, you know, you, you are, for lack of a better word, you are my father kind of thing. Without saying it, it's that acknowledgement of no, you know, don't, don't lessen your impact. You, 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 you did, you did right by me. And, and that was very, it was small. It was a small moment. It was very powerful. And then of course he sees the bad signal and he knows, all right, I'm good. and they both know, they both look at it and like, all right, you gotta go, go. Right. Um, but you're right, the scene with, with Falcone, where, where he confronts Falcone. Um, yeah, that was the, uh, the, the go get him tiger moment. Yeah. And, and <laughs> again, so you see, you do see Bruce Wayne come out. In, in, That's a different small, universe, by the way. Yeah, anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, but you, you do see moments where Bruce Wayne does kind of emerge, start emerging. And that's one. And I got to say, now that you're mentioning uh, Falcone. Uh, um, John Turturro. Mm. My God, was he fantastic as 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 uh, Falcon? This was an amazing cast, and that's why I, you know the people out here who 
wanted to hate this movie before they ever saw it. I, I think you're shorting yourself by not giving this a chance. Right, I agreed. But but it's like everything from 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 John Turturro's performance was ripped out of the Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's the scene where he's talking to Bruce in his office and explaining, you know, your father's a good guy. He just this is a situation. The guy was, you know, he did he, he did what he did not because he cared about political aspirations, but it's because he cared about your mother. And in those moments, look, you, throughout the movie, you, you come to realize that Falcone is a jerk. Like, you, you, like he, he makes you want to hate him. But even in that moment, you're like, ah, he's a, he's a, like, you start to side with Falcone in that, in that brief moment. And it's like, yeah, he's, he's right. He's not wrong, right? But, but um, yeah, he was great. I love the scene. Uh, where he talks to Bruce about, you know, the, the funerals outside the funeral, for mm-hmm. the, the was the congress the mayor the congressman what is he? Uh, uh, wasn't the yeah, I forget which one that was. One so, of the two, but, but yeah, yeah. So outside the funeral scene, you know, Falcon introduces the penguin to Bruce Wayne, and he talks about the moment where one time Thomas Wayne had to save his. Uh, uh, Falcon from from a bullet wound, and they couldn't. Oh, go yeah, right, right. So oh, that was right before the uh, the collar bomb scene with Coulson. Yeah. Oh, that was magnificent. That was, mm, yeah. Yeah, right out of Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, we went to Wayne Manor, and he's like, uh, you, you know, he, he operated on me right on the table, and young Bruce here saw it from from up top, and he, the whole thing is like, you think he did that for no reason? And Bruce is like, yeah, he was upholding the, the Hippocratic oath. And Falcon starts laughing because yeah, yeah, that's what you think. Um, maybe it was like because he owed me one, right, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but that, but it was right out of Long Halloween, and so I, I love Falcon. And now that I mention the Penguin, good lord, Colin Farrell. I mean, talk about disappearing into the the role. Exactly. Like. And I love, by the way, and just one, I don't want to sidetrack. I want you to be able to finish your thoughts. But the way they use the Batmobile, they built oh, up get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and use that, like intertwine that with the Penguin story. I thought that was a stroke of brilliance that you didn't just, oh, by the way, here's the Batmobile. We actually saw that, you know, kind of built up to and it, it introduced at a perfect moment to deal with the Penguin. So go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah, but just like the the like he totally disappeared. Like the vocal thing was totally not Colin Farrell. Yeah, obviously the prosthetics and all that. And he does look like there's this great image of the Penguin by Alex Ross that Matt Reeves and the the prosthetic team literally took that image and transported it onto Colin Farrell. Like, like I said, the, he didn't look like the penguin you would expect, but that, yeah, that's yeah. that's not a bad thing. He looked the, he looked in a way, and I also love the scene, by the way, where uh, Batman and Jim leave him uh, uh, tied up, and he's like, "Wait, come back here, you jerks!" <laughs> when yeah, because they're interrogating him because he's yeah. basically pushing the the drops, the drug, right? And right. Like he's he's taken over for I think it was Moroni that was doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ever since Moroni was taken down, he is sort of behind the scenes trying to usurp Falcone's power. 
and so he's that's another little nice touch you saw all the like drop users and kind of the, you know these yeah. dark corners of gotham yeah. another realistic touch there yeah you know uh, seeing people very desperate that you know turning yeah. to those drugs and it's but it's it's like that penguin again again like i said it's it's they, they took that alex ross image and then the the version of the penguin that they're that they're kind of playing off of is the one I don't know if you've ever played the Batman and Telltale games, Mm-mm, but have you ever yeah. heard of them? Oh yeah, I've heard of them, but yes, that's the version of the penguin they're going for. And Matt Reeves has said as much. But if you've played those games, you'll get a sense of that right away. Um, but just like the arrogance of Penguin, that he like even like in the public facade is that he's an underling of Falcon. But in private, he has this bravado, this this arrogance, that even when Batman's interrogating him in that scene in his office when he first sees Selina, and my God, what an entrance she made! Uh, I thought about lo- you when that happened, Bob. What she happened? was looking at Bruce, and I was looking at her the whole time. Like, wait a minute, what happened in the scene? I had I no lost, doubt. I had no doubt. I, I lost like, total yeah. control of my consciousness there, Don. <laughs> it was all a blur. Um, but no, no. But like, he's got such an arrogance about him. That even when Batman's interrogating, he's like, you can't touch me. You know, like he he has that that sensibility about him. Like that he's almost laughing in Batman's face. Like, you you can't touch me. I'm just placating you right now because I can. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and I love that. And you're right, when he's like, there was a line when 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 Batman and Gordon are, are he's like, What is this? Good cop, bad shit cop, or something like that. <laughs> I was dying of laughter. Yeah. But Colin Farrell's performance made me want, made me so eager for the Penguin spinoff that they're planning, the, the HBO Max series. It, it definitely has possibilities. It definitely established this version of the Penguin as a complex character. Yeah, so that was great. And, and, and while we're on the subject, and then we'll go to Bruce and Catwoman, Batcat and all that good stuff. But... Um, but the Batmobile, I know when it first got released, everybody's like, oh, but it doesn't look like a Batmobile. It's just a car. What are we going to do? It doesn't have, you know. Well, it's, neither did the Tumblr, but I loved it. So yeah. it still and, works. But it's it like, can still at, work. There's, there's seven of these comics where, for better or worse, the Batmobile is basically just a car. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway... The entrance of that vehicle onto the scene. I've never seen an entrance for a car like that. Like, even the car scared the crap out of me for a second mm-hmm. there, Yeah. Like, no wonder criminals crap their pants every time there's a hint of that signal going in, in the air because that car looked like it was a, a, like a killer. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, um, Matt Reeves referenced the, the movie uh, Christine. That's the vibe he was going for. Mm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I could see it. Okay. And that Batmobile chase mm. probably was one of the best ever put to film. It's between that and Batman Begins. And mm. I'll tell you why. Because in this, there are moments where, where it transitions to a point of view kind of shot. And it's as if you're in the car. 
So this is one of the rare times that you feel like you're driving the Batmobile in the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's it's insane. I, I just want to say that I thought the ending to that car chase was perfect too. With we talk about cinematography, the yeah. way that it was upside down, and again, you hear Batman's like thudding footsteps, and you see the effect that it had on the penguin when he's coming towards him upside down. I was like, this is amazing. And then he just leans in and looks at him. And Penguin's like, oh, he's like, there's a shot of Penguin's. He's like, oh crap, I'm, I'm screwed. Right, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, so it just what, but what a, what a beautiful chase. Uh, what, a, what a great moment. Again, the cinematography was great. When the Batmobile is like fly, not flying literally, but like through the air, like coming out of the fire, and like you even see the Batman's cape billowing a little bit out of the out of the window. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, this is some great shots. Um, but yeah, that Batmobile was, was I'm like, oh, I, I want one. I'm, I'm like, I'm not a car guy by any means, which is weird considering my dad's a mechanic, but I digress. But, you know, there, there, there are certain cars that I get excited for. You know, uh, Kit from Knight Rider is one of them. The DeLorean from Back to the Future is another one. Uh, the Ghostbusters, you know, Ecto One, Ecto One, yeah, and any version of the Batmobile, like, like the, I would love every single one of them in my garage. <laughs> yeah, including this one. Um, I love, I'd love to have that live, that uh, live version of Optimus Prime that I tweeted you earlier this week. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, I, I forgot Optimus Prime. Yeah. Uh, so, but Donnie, like, so. We, you know, we've kind of danced around the, the, the subject. You know my feelings on, especially when handled by uh, a certain writer and when overly obsessed by a former co-host. You know my thoughts on shipping and bad cat. Yes, so, yes. But let me reiterate, I, like, prior to having a Tom King be obsessed about it for at bare minimum 25 issues and prior to having a crazy co-host who would equate everything under the sun to literally the, the promotion of Batcat. Even when a show had, you know, we were talking about Flash, uh, he somehow bring in Batcat. But anyway, despite all that, I genuinely enjoy both of these characters. I enjoy the pairing of both of those characters and in the right circumstances, they should get together, in my opinion. How and I loved the interaction, the interplay, the chemistry, and the scenario that this version of Batman and Catwoman were put in. Both performers were great together. Mm-hmm. A lot of chemistry. I love the way they're like her storyline kind of weaved into the grander narrative. It was very intricate. The way you know it started out with. You know, she's already in the mix because she works at the Iceberg Lounge. And I love the fact that the Penguin's base of operation is the Iceberg Lounge from the comics. I love that. Good point. So, like, is this movie grounded in reality to a degree? Yes. And somehow, Donnie, I feel it's still slightly more fantastical than one Nolan presented. Because... I don't think Nolan would have ever put an, a location like the Iceberg Lounge. I, I want to say that I think 
the chemistry between the two characters yeah. very effective i like the fact that it showed that batman is not an emotionless guy yeah it, it there the way that that emotion was built the way i mean the way that the the relationship was built it had some very tender moments you could tell that he was very empathetic to catwoman mm. and, and likewise you know she saw you know the, the trauma that he had been through yeah yeah you know, um, now, now, unfortunately, again, I've seen some fans out there. They're like, "Oh, the, it should have been like." And I'm not going to say it. most people know what I'm talking about. That picture that went around social media last summer, people were just yeah. like, "Oh, it should have been more visceral and been like this." And I'm like, "No, it didn't okay, need to okay. be that." You won't say it, but I'll say it. Listen, if you want to see that, go to Google, type in a particular kind of website. <laughs> Go to said website and type that in. I can't say with 100% certainty because I haven't looked for it. But I, I venture to guess that if you search certain things, you'll find it. I mean, if, yeah. like if, that, if that's really what you want to see, you'll find it. Watching them, and again, there were kids where I was watching this. I certainly didn't want to see that with my 13-year-old kids sitting next to me. Of course, yeah. Anybody with a, with a brain doesn't want to see that with a potential. Like, yeah. look, it's not a porn it's a it's, it's a live action movie. Yeah. There's a, probably a porn parody somewhere. Go watch it. Have fun. But that's not what this is for. But yeah, I, I again, I, I prefer tenderness over that's yeah. what a, a certain and, and, segment of fans wanted. So, and, but but it's like, you know, like the whole thing about. I love the fact that she was working with ba again, at some point working with Batman. You know, like she, he gave her those those contact lenses that allow him to see. I, by the way, I love that invention. That mm, yeah, he didn't. There wasn't an overabundance of gadgets in this, but what was used, yeah. I thought, was really effective. Like those lenses that act like a camera that he can see. Yeah, yeah. Without being, like everybody talks about. Well, why can't the Batman suit have lenses? Because acting requires you to use. Like to equate emotion, especially when you're wearing a mask with your eyes, you can't do that if they're covered in lenses. Mm -hmm. So the next best thing is what they came up with here: those those contact lens, those eye, you know, like regular contact lenses that you put, in, and they're actually providing a video feed, so that Batman can see or can record things, and then analyze them later, which he did to help solve the riddles, which I like, but. You know, Selena was helping him get facial recognition on certain people in the club to try and figure out who was, was Riddler going to target next. Uh, and so that was really cool. Um, and again, it stems from, it all like the way she gets intertwined in this is one of her, her friends is killed by Falcon. Right. And so she asked Batman, you know, help me. First it was to help her get out safely and then later become it became help me catch her killer mm -hmm. um but even though they worked together and there was clearly romantic entanglement there the film and my reads and the writers clearly still tried to set up that there is not always but for a good portion of the time there's always there's potential for a rift between the two of them because 
Selena is always is tempted to use a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she feels it's necessary. Whereas Batman is like, no guns. You know, he even says that. He even says that to Gordon at one point. He's like, yeah, man, that's your thing, not mine. Yeah, right. yeah Gordon's like, I don't, I don't know about all that. I'm a cop. So yeah. So um, so you know, there's always going to be a little rift between them. I really love the visuals of the ending, by the way, with the two it of was, them going. It, it executes it. It executes it. Illustrates. Yeah, thank you. I can't talk because I'm thinking about Zoe Kravitz and Jesus. She's, you know what? She's causing turmoil in the multiverse wives scenario, Donnie. I don't know what's going on. There's going to be a crisis. She's trying to take <laughs> off the, have you seen the photo shoot she did with the, with the Catwoman cowl on and the milk? And says, oh, no, I have not, but I, yeah. It's no. a crisis. <laughs> Call for help. Um, no. I mean, uh, Dr. Harleen Quinzel. <laughs> so it caused me more problems, but I digress. Uh, anyway. But yeah, like when they when they they drive they they're riding together on the bikes, and then they come at a stop and they go divergent ways. Yes. Like it's like oh, there's always going to be that push and pull with them. Uh, but but uh, but again, it's cool because they leave it open for her to come back, and I think she will. Uh, uh, but I thought she was fantastic. Yes. In the role, uh, I love the scene where they where she was trying to rob the safe. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that was Falcone safe, if I correct if I'm wrong. I can't right? remember. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty was. sure because yeah. that's where yeah. she got the passport. Yeah. I also yeah. love the interaction with the cats in her apartment. Yeah. No, yeah. but the fight. The, the, we'll get to that. But the fight scene that I'm talking about, again, directly pulled out of Long Halloween, mm-hmm. and the way they fought, it was. It's funny because Batman, you see. What 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 happens when the heart is involved? Batman is kind of less uh, aggressive and forceful with her. Like he doesn't want to, you know, go full force like he was with those thugs. Like you can see him kind of at first trying to pull his punches because he doesn't want to, right? Yeah, um, doesn't want to hurt her. Yeah, and uh, and even she's like when when he slams her on the table. In uh, WWE style, but there's no Jim Ross uh, to, to commentate that. But uh, and she's like, oh, with the bat and the cat that has a nice ring to it. I'm like, all right, I'll allow one or two, but let's not veer into Tom, Tom King territory now. It's not right. <laughs> it's not derail the whole thing. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, and then again, the humor. The people say, oh, this is so dark. There's no humor. Yes, there is. The part about when when uh, he start when he goes to her apartment and there's like a, a crap ton of cats, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Got a lot of cats," and she's Got like, a lot of cats. <laughs> "I like, you know, I have a thing for strays, which is, you know, yeah, yeah." Uh, and she looked directly at him when when she said that. Like. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> like if that isn't an indicator that she's flirting with you, you need to get those eyes checked and those lenses that you use to get checked too, if you can't see that. But uh, but no, I love their dynamic. The the pusher. It was exactly like the. You know what you saw on the screen is what you find in the comic when you when you watch them interact, and I, I loved it. Uh, I thought again, she was pulled right out of year one, um, and they even alluded to the fact, or not alluded to, they flat out said it. They're going with the continuity that she is 
the daughter of Carmine Falcone. Also, wasn't that an allusion to Hush when there was a scene where she was going to try to kill him and Batman was like, no, you can't do that? Wasn't that kind of an allusion to the ending of Hush? Yeah. But there's also, uh, Donnie, as he's discovering why the Riddler is after Bruce Wayne, mm -hmm. there's also a mention of a reporter, and the last name is Elliot. Which, which is Hush, or we yeah, think, Tommy, right? Tommy Elliot is Hush. Right. So I wonder if... This reporter is a is a is a is a family member of some uh, of some nature to Hush. I think Hush would fit in perfectly with oh, Matt yes. sensibilities. Oh yes, and I'd like to see it. Um, mm. to, where where do I give Warner Brothers my money to allow Matt Reeves to do that as a in the sequel? Because yeah, if they I make another couple couple of sequels to this, I'm in. Yeah, um, and uh, so. So yeah, but the Catwoman Batman stuff was great. What we find out is that basically, uh, uh, just before I move off Catwoman, how can I phrase this? Without, okay, aside from one, or with the exception of one, we've never had a bad Catwoman. And you know which the one is, I'm not gonna say it because poor girl. She already accepted a Razzie for it. Leave her alone. And you know what? You know which one is not. But aside from that, we've always had Solomon Catwoman's. And Zoe Kravitz is among, you know, the, the top tier of Catwoman. I I don't know where I rank her yet. You know, uh, I know where she is on the multiverse wives list. I don't know where uh, Earth Eleven. I don't know Earth where Earth Eleven. Is. Yeah, yeah, you see. <laughs> I I don't know where she is on the Catwoman list yet, but she's near the upper echelon. So, what we ultimately find out is that the Riddler's, you know, he's been going after high-ranking officials. And the last victim that he wants to target is Bruce Wayne. And the reasoning is because of what Falcone revealed earlier, that, that during his campaign, um, Thomas went to Falcone to have a reporter who was sniffing around his family history silence. Now, he didn't want him killed. He just wanted him scared. <clears throat> but then, of course, the mob being the mob, once you once you get in bed with those guys, you never know how, how they're going to, you know. If, if Falcone said it, if fear doesn't get the job done, well, then you got you to gotta go the next step, right? And so... You know, obviously Thomas regretted that, and there was a scene where they alluded to the fact that he wanted to go to the police, but then a week later he was dead. Um, but so, and the whole history, the real what 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 Thomas wanted to keep on the wraps was that Martha, I just had a name, <laughs> is an Arkham. You know, um, of the famous Arkhams that. Are responsible for that asylum and she had bouts with uh, um, you know she had a mental breakdown she had a bout with a mental illness and thomas wanted to keep that from coming out around the campaign not name i don't think he cared about the campaign again as carmen falcon was telling bruce it was more he cared about what it would do to martha and bruce if that came, you know if that became public knowledge 
Uh, and that is right from the Earth One graphic novels. That, I mean, that's taken right out of out of that. Uh, and I love and I love it because it's, it's an intriguing layer to Bruce's history. Like, imagine being the 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 the, the heir of, in a sense, the Wayne family and the Arkham family. And then we wonder why this guy is so messed up to the point that he puts on a bad suit and kicks the crap out of criminals every night. Right. Uh, you know. But, you know, uh, another thing I want to point out, I liked the Riddler's, like, soliloquy about why he hated Bruce Wayne. Yeah. That he looked at his, you know, being orphaned as, yeah. you know, he still lived a life of yeah, luxury. It's a phony, it's a phony or, orphan. Right. The sense that, look, you got to live in a mansion. Yeah. You got to go to the best schools. You got to spend time with you know you had time with your parents before. Whereas I know what it's like to be orphaned yeah. and destitute. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and it's funny. So he resented Bruce for that, but he admired Batman for trying to make it like like he, Riddler was so warped mm -hmm. that when he has that ending monologue, he thought that Bruce and him were were doing the same thing. We're on yeah. the same side. And they, they weren't like, you know, and this is a catalyst like, like, and I love the fact that, that they used, you know, Riddler was broadcasting his insanity, like live on the internet. And to with attract, some really scary images, by the way. Yeah. To attract other people, other deranged individuals right mm -hmm. who then take up his cause and in the yeah. third act battle when they're they're flooding the they're literally flooding gotham you know they're there holding machine guns and and you know making sure to finish like anybody you know while all that chaos is going on they're trying to kill the new the the, the, the newly appointed uh, mayor right that, that what's her mm -hmm. name bella right Bella Real or whatever her name was. I mm -hmm. think that was her name, right? So, and you're right. The imagery was disturbing. Like, like we had Riddler uh, strap a bomb to Gil Coulson's neck, which was disturbing. Yeah. Then he had another guy. Peter, Peter Sarsgaard did an outstanding job too, by the oh, way. Oh, and the funeral scene was so tense. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just want to quickly get back to that scene. Donnie, where the kid is, you know, waiting for the funeral to start. And the way Bruce is looking at this kid, like he sees himself in that kid. That, that, it's alluded to several times that Batman sees kids like this, and that's why he's doing this. He doesn't yeah, want yeah. anyone to experience yeah. life the way that he did. And, and, and that's what I mean about, like, just the looks exchanged between Bruce and that kid. You know what that's about. You know that's that's a, that's the byproduct of his parents' death. We don't need to see that alleyway scene to have for it to have an effect. And that's the way this film handles that beautifully. Um, and it's funny when he saved the kid from the crashing car. I'm oh, like, yeah. now don't get any ideas. He's still too young to be Robin. Leave the poor kid alone. Um, <laughs> don't bring him into this. But yeah, so we had the girl Coulson bomb, which was disturbing. You know what freaked me out, even though they didn't show anything. When he had the guys, the other guy's face in a vice, yeah. and the rats were going to go eat his face. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, you're one effed up SOB. Right. Like, you, you, 
you, I don't think there's help for you, sir. Right. Which, which can help you. Yeah. Which rats actually would, unlike, you know, the hamsters or the guinea pigs and Dirch Devadam. I don't think that would work, but that that would work here. And when he left the the message in the, in the bat cage and Batman's slightly going in there and I'm like, you know, that got us into a whole mess in, in (laughs) 20, In 2019, I don't know if you want to be doing that, sir. That's a good. Stay away from the guy. That's a good point. Like this is why I had to come see this movie at 11 o'clock, where there's only a handful of people here because some some fool wanted to play around with that. You know, that's not. I don't know if this is the same. That's a good point. In in the world we live in now, Batman would be a little less popular, I would think, (laughs) with Uh, the the cave full of bats. I'm a little disturbed by that, by going into that cage, you know, willy-nilly trying to get that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so the Riddler, and again, to get the desired result of being unsettling and and disturbing, you don't need an R rating. Exactly. And this... And this effortlessly shows that. Um, But the third act flooding, I mean, you know, we have two thirds of a detective movie and then one third gets into full superheroic action in the third act. Um, And I love the fact that we see the bat, like the, the chess symbol, what it is, like it actually is you know, part of his wonderful toys that allows him to to cut through things. And so yeah, they yeah. do have a purpose, and I love that. I Very functional, that, right. I mean, could there be borderline batarangs? Like, you throw that thing at somebody, you know, if you hit them in the right spot, then they could be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, like, seeing Batman on that on the, uh, scaffolding, right, and on the on the scoreboard, and, like, hanging from the scoreboard, Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is full on, full on, you know, third act Marvel movie kind of kind of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, the, when again the action was far apart, but when they did introduce the action, especially yeah. at the end, it was done extremely well. And I love when he gave a spear to that Riddler copycat. Did you see the Roman Reigns type spear? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, but even he like. I was actually as, thinking, acknowledge me when that happens. So. Yeah, but as good as <laughs> as good as he is, like he even takes a a beating. Like he even gets kind of disoriented, like to the point where you know Catwoman's gonna come in and right, yeah, yeah. And, she and she saves him at one point, and, and then yeah, he's nearly unconscious. Concerned. Yeah, okay, you know, and so and so I I I love the whole bit, but but you know what I said in my. Uh, I, I did some Twitter thoughts before this review, and I, it's the it's my uh, my new way of, of 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 tweeting reactions to film by using Vince McMahon gifts. Uh, so if you want to see that, uh, go look at my Twitter. But I said, you know, the, in the third act, Batman goes from being a a, a, a vigilante hell bent on vengeance to a hero and a protector of Gotham. In in that third act, that's what he becomes. And when he jumps into the water Mm. and start guiding people out of the mess with the light, 
I'm like, this is superhero Batman now. We, we've had detective Batman. Now we're transitioning into the, the, the superhero. And, and the whole flooding, the explosion of the city, that was taken right out of, out of um, Zero Year, Batman Zero Year by Scott Snyder. Okay. And Greg Capullo. And again, it continues the motif where the first person Batman helps when they get, you know, sort of out of the water and more to the surface level or to solid ground, I should say, he helps the kid. He makes sure the kid gets off first. Then he helps the, the, the mayoral candidate. Uh, but then there's one shot near the end of the film where, you know, they're still processing all the damage and Batman's there. Yeah. He's carrying this young, what is she, like a teenager, early 20? Mm-hmm. Something she? like that, yeah. yeah. He's carrying her out of the, you know, to the, basically to the medic thing. And the way that the sun, you know, the dawn is kind of hitting, the, the light of the dawn is hitting Batman in that scene. It was just so beautiful. And I'm like, this is, this is, and the voiceover, he's talking about, he's narrating, he's talking about, I got to be something different. Yeah, it, I've got to be more than just vengeance. It can't be vengeance. Yeah, it has to be hope. I have to inspire hope. And that is like, that All is will short. be well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, it's one thing to say, I'm about hope. And then for two thirds of a movie, it looked like you're constipated. And I'm not going to name the movie, but you know what I'm, I'm talking about. You can tell me hope until you're blue in the face. You can tell me the symbol means hope. But what, what I want to see from my characters, if you're going to start evoking hope, show it to me. Good point. And in that scene, I got it shown to me. That this, this is character progression. So now what I expect is... In, in, in follow-up films, I don't expect Batman to smile like a buffoon because that's not bad. I mean, unless it's a George Clooney Batman and I don't, God knows, I don't want to see any more of that crap. No, thank but, you. But, but <laughs> what I, what I want to see is, look, Batman's angry, Gotham is dark. Yes, that should always be there. But at the same time, I want to see the continuation of that hopeful figure. Well, yeah. and he even said, you know, we, you saw the effects of the flooding, that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And the fact that the beauty of it is, so he puts her down and he's about to leave. And she, and she grabs his arm, uh, like begging, like asking him to stay. And he stays until she's airlifted off. And I'm like, I, I, in the theater, I was kind of getting emotional. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I've always seen, you know, in the Burton Schumacher films, there are plenty of examples of Batman being heroic. Mm-hmm. But there was something very emotional and visceral about this. And the way this played out, that it just hit me different than it did in any of those movies. Um, of all, I mean, that ending scene, those, those, those ending moments, got to be some of my favorite in the film if not my favorite. I mean, this is why I love that character. Because yes, there's the darkness, there's the, he's a human, look at the, look at the human 
forget about the money, but look at the human taking a, a terribly negative situation and turning it into a positive for the for the greater mass around him. Sure, he's gonna crack some skulls to do it, but hey, at the end of the day, he's still he's still so so. Well, and I, I love the air, the aerial shot where you saw him when he's leading people out of the water. Yeah, yeah. That it's from the sky, and you see him, and everybody kind of flocked toward him. Yeah, and yeah. him being a leader, I, yeah. I really thought that was a powerful moment. He became God, became Gotham's protector in that scene, in those scenes, and I, I love this film for it. Uh, you know, it's like such a beautiful. piece of imagery like that's that's a beautiful piece of art and and matt reeve i mean matt reeves and greg fraser man did they did they just pull the heartstrings there and look i gotta give credit because that scene doesn't doesn't have the same effect without michael giacchino's score good point donnie that score is fantastic look from from a nostalgic point of view, Danny Elfman's score will always be the de facto Batman theme. Again, nostalgia. But good God, that score was brilliant. Well, and you heard a lot of people saying how much they like the theme from this movie, yeah. how powerful it is. I was yeah. humming it this morning. <laughs> I, I woke up, I'm walking down the stairs, and I'm, you know, I'm, like, be, I'm gonna do this until the sequel comes out, aren't I? Um, so what a beautiful score, right? Like just, I mean, and you know what I like? If you notice the Catwoman theme, it's got that 40s noir, mm-hmm. femme fatale kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And I'm like, this is perfect. And the Riddler's scream, uh, scream, the Riddler's theme was appropriately, no pun intended, bad shit crazy. <laughs> like it evoked insanity. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that tracks. Um, so beautiful score, and I can I can never not say this enough. Music is such a vital portion of a film. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoy it. I did take notice. A lot of times, I won't at least I won't remember scores. Yeah. But when a score is done really well, it does kind of get through to me. And w- on this one, I noticed that that it really aided in setting the tone for a lot of different scenes. Now, Donnie, did you notice in parts of the main Batman theme, there are little hints of, like, similarities to Shirley Walker's Batman work in Batman the Animated Series? There's, 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 yep. there's touches of it. and it's, Yeah, it's, there, people are talking about that on social media. So, and, and you can really sense, what I get a sense is, Matt Reeves really kind of took some touchstones from the Animated Series with this movie and I, and I like it to, to me it, it just oh it just all worked together great now before we rate it we've got to talk about the one of the last scenes of the movie okay. which is in Arkham well, I mean the last scene the last shot before the credits is is uh Batman and Catwoman driving away which we touched on right uh, right but I like that before the last shot of him kind of with that it was kind of it was as much of a smirk for Batman as you're going to get like that's how it ended on like a close-up of his face. It was the equivalent of Batman. You, you know how Superman has that flying and then smirks at, at the camera? Mm-hmm. That was as close as we're going to get to that with Batman on the bike driving right. away. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
That was that. But the scene I'm talking about is <coughs> in Arkham Asylum. Uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Riddler is there uh, lamenting, oh, uh, I failed, and he's all pissed off at himself. And, uh, you know, Screw Batman, damn it, you know. He's, he's all upset. And we hear a voice from this next cell over saying, oh, don't worry, you did a good job. You know, you, you, know, you, you really started something, and, and it's <coughs> very creepy, yet yeah. somewhat jovial at the same time. And then he's talking about how he likes riddles. Um, and uh, he makes a riddle about being a friend to the Riddler. Um, and then the Riddler asks, um, who are you? Um, and he's like, well, uh, he says something to the effect of, uh, some, some have referred to me as, uh, as a clown. Right. And there's a shot, I don't know if you noticed, it was a real quick shot, but it's like his silhouette. Mm -hmm. And the hair. Yes. The, the position of the hair. Mm -hmm. I noticed. Like when he's laughing, you like the way his head is moving. Mm -hmm. And then they pan away and the laughter between the both of them start echoing. And Matt Reeves has confirmed it now. That's the Joker. Right. That's. I, th I think a lot of fans will, will pick up on that, that that's who that is. So. And I don't know if he's going to, Matt Reza said that doesn't guarantee that he's going to be in the next one. Like, he's like, I don't even, I don't even know for sure. He's like, I got ideas, but I don't even know for sure who's going to, so that, that's not a, like a, that's not an MCU post credit scene that alludes to like, this guy is definitely next. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he's out there is what is what Matt Reeves wanted to allude to. Yeah. That the, the, the purpose of that scene was to show that there's a power vacuum now because of the fall of Falcone that is now going to be taken up by the in, more insane element in Gotham City. But listen, if and when Matt Reeves wants to use the Joker, Based on what he did with the Riddler and based on this little end tag, I'm like, yeah, give it to me. I, there's going to be a lot of interest if he, if he does. Because, look, people could say, well, we've seen the Joker so many times. But, yeah, look, the Joker is one of the greatest cinematic or villains, period, in, in fiction. And can be reinvented as many times as Batman. So if a, if a talented filmmaker on the level of Matt Reeves wants to use it, I say go for it. No, I'm with you. I, I mean, we saw just you know in three Jokers, three different yeah. versions of the Joker. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot. This this is a kind of character that is so so book. multifaceted. There are many different ways to approach it, and I think we could see the Joker and a very interesting new version of the Joker. So. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where that leads, but let, let, let's let's do final thoughts in a grade. So okay. take it away. Well, I mentioned earlier that I thought this movie succeeded in a way that no other Batman movie had. Now, it doesn't mean that I think it's the best. I would put it at least behind Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. But for people who may not like comic book movies, if you have a, like a friend or a family member, this movie is in many ways like a suspense movie, a murder mystery, almost a horror movie 
in some aspects with Batman. It works on its own in so many ways that even though the protagonist is handled very well, the structure of the film is so good that I think it could appeal to fans who may not want to see a comic book movie. Yeah. They they may not care about, you know, Batman and his in his, you know, quest against in his uh vendetta against the Joker and his quest yeah. for for justice, but they may see this and say, "You know what? There's so much going on here that's handled so well that this is an interesting movie to me." Yeah. I'm going to give it an A minus by the way. So All right, cool. Um yeah, for me uh, Here's all I'll describe it. Every movie in the in the comic book world, you have, you know, Batman has many titles, but the two prominent ones are <coughs> Batman and Detective. Batman is more superheroic in nature, if you will, more action heavy. And Detective, as the title implies, is more driven on Batman solving a mystery, being a detective, being the world's greatest detective, in fact. Of the solo Batman movies, every one of them up until this point has been essentially an issue of Batman. This movie is like an issue of Detective Comics. That's a good fair point. To yeah. this level, we've never seen it on film like this. No. That, like I said, um, and it, I, I want to say the movie, and this, again, to speak to non-comic fans, the movie that kept coming into my mind that this was similar enough to, at least in the tone, was The Bone Collector, mm. starring Denzel Washington and Angelina mm. Jolie. Mm. I thought about that a lot because there were a lot of similarities in the way this was handled, at least in the first two acts. So, Right, yeah. So that that's how I would explain it to like to comic fans are like, well, what's what's different about this one? Well, the other ones were all Batman issues, and this, for lack of a better word, is the first Detective Comics issue we've gotten on film. Um, <coughs> so there's that. What would you call the '66 series? Batman Adventures, uh, Lego Batman. <laughs> yeah, probably Batman Adventures would be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you know. Um, more in league with super friends, which came later, but you know, that kind right. Of, right. Um, but I mean, they, even they had elements of detecting, but again, that was, let me feed this into the computer and the computer will spit out the answer. Like, oh yes. I remember. Not, yeah. That's not really detecting. Right? That, that, that's me. That's the equivalent of me going to Google or going to my phone. Hey, Google, what is this? And then Google spits it up. Right. And so, but, but yeah, so that's the distinction I make. What, what, how, the, how I set this movie apart. I think the performances were were fantastic across wow. the board. Everybody brought their A game. Paul Dano gives a performance in terms of Batman villainry that is probably second only to Heath Ledger's Joker. And I'm talking about in the context of a Batman film, not the separate Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix. Like right. this is in context of just Batman films. Zoe Kravitz, like, yes, visually she's setting off, she's setting the, the multiverse wisest in shambles. 
but her performance was fantastic. Um, a lot, lot of good emotion from her. Just, Very authentic it's, it's, emotion. I, what, Matt Reeves says he's got many HBO Max series spinoffs in the works. Listen, Warner Brothers, if you don't want me to boycott your studio, Catwoman better be one of them. With Zoe Kravitz, let's go. You know, make it happen. <laughs> so that's how good she was. Carl launch, Carol, hashtag launch the Zoe verse. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Kravitz verse. Uh, Kravitz. I, I, you could even have uh, Lenny do, a, do some soundtrack stuff. Boy. It's a win win for everybody. Uh, um, you know, uh, again, I, I can't say enough about, about um, Colin Farrell as Penguin. You know, he, like, he, uh, and I love how, yes, his screen time was limited, but interwoven throughout the whole film. Beautiful, mm -hmm. beautifully done. Nobody overstayed their welcome, Donnie. Um, and I, I look, I never want, maybe it's my Batman bias, could very well be, but I never looked at my watch once saying, oh my God, this movie's still going. Like, it gave such a complex, detailed detective story and mystery time to breathe. And so the runtime I thought was justified. Uh, now, in terms of the big question that I posed earlier. Personally, I want to say that's one of my criticisms. I thought it was just a little too long. Yeah, Not enough. a lot, just a little. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but to answer the big question, you know, I said, all it has to do for me to enjoy it is be a good Batman movie, which is succeeded. The other question was to be in, in the upper echelon of Batman movies to be considered great, in my opinion. Could it make me feel like I did when I was six again when I left the theater? The answer to that is yes, it did. And what sealed the deal for me was those moments I talked about with Batman carrying the girl out and making sure the kid got out first, those real heroic Batman as a hero moments. Those really sealed the deal for me. Um, I haven't been to a movie in two years. Uh, the last one I went to was Birds of Prey. Um, That's the last one I saw in the theater. Yep. This was worth the wait. Uh, and it gave me an experience. Like, like I... I love the fact that me and my mom and I have that tradition of being able to go to these superhero movies. That's extremely cool, by the way. You know, we, we go, we either have breakfast or lunch beforehand, uh, depending on the center, and then we go to the movie. And this movie allowed me to have that back, and I'm incredibly thrilled about that. So, yes, it did accomplish my sky-high, you know, pie-in-the-sky kind of wish list for this movie. It absolutely did that. So, for me... Like, I haven't ranked the Batman movies yet. I need a second viewing to do that. So get back to me in about 45 to 50 days from now uh, when, it, when it streams, and I'll let you know uh, after I watch it again. But so I don't know where it ranks, but it's an A plus for me. Uh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I couldn't I'm be... glad. And for me, it was extra special having my, my child in the seat next to me and yeah. us watching this in a, in a drive-in it, it was a special memory so right. absolutely absolutely so that's the rating i i couldn't be happier as a batman fan and now it's like the speculation begins on give me the penguin show what's gonna happen there <coughs> what's next for the for the franchise but it's wonderful to have uh, my all-time favorite character 
uh, treated so uh, respectfully on uh, on on film. Uh, I absolutely loved it. But that brings this podcast to an end. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to it. We hope you enjoyed the movie. Uh, let us know uh, your thoughts on on that, on the movie itself, in the comments below. And if you want to chat with us about the movie on social media, you can. Donnie, where do they find you? You can find me on Twitter as the Emerald Enthusiast. Let's talk comics. Let's talk collectibles. Let's talk movies. Let's talk Green Lantern. Um, awesome. And if you want to find me on social media, <clears throat> it's at Adam underscore Leafs fan on Twitter. Uh, the podcast, Bitcast Network, has its own Twitter handle, at MMNPDC. We have a Facebook group, which is somewhere in the link below. Click that, and I, you can't see my finger doing it somewhere, you know, here. But anyway, <laughs> click the link, I'll add you, and we can continue the conversation there if you so choose. But until next time, remember that the Batman is forever from the first mysterious riddle that he and jim gordon solved to the last so long everybody so long everyone <laughs>